Hello, hello. Hi. I'm Chris. I'm Alice. <laughs> Took you a while to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Oh, yeah. I'm what Alice. am I doing? <laughs> what is my purpose? Um, and you're listening to Xena Made Me Gay. Yeah. Definitely made us gay. Well, that, Xena, and a couple of other things. But yes, yes, indeed. In the times of brick phones, Tamagotchis, and curtain bangs, the 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. Today we're going to be talking about episode 12 of season 1 called Beware Greeks Bearing Gifts. But mm -hmm. before we do that, I want to kind of... Um, follow up on on something that that you said about how yes uh xena and along with a couple of other things uh made us gay mm -hmm. do you think kids these days have things that made them gay given that there is a lot more of that stuff available like would they just have multiple things instead and things that are kind of more explicitly gay yeah that's that's a toughie because it's been a while since I was a kid, and <laughs> and also you you were a kid in dif in a different kind of uh, environment. That's true, and it's kind of hard for me to imagine. So I was kind of sitting with that question because I took a peek in your show notes before. Um, the only thing that I could say, I think that even if it's explicitly gay especially if it's explicitly gay i would assume that some time has to pass for you to be able to accept it and i think that those shows like xena where it's um more subtext it might be easier i don't know i don't know if that mm. if kids today have to deal with like I don't know if you could call it internal homophobia, but like internal resistance with accepting yourself as gay. I would assume that it happens whether you live in a society that is completely open to diversity or not. So we had a conversation with um, my partner recently and she really loves the movie Birdcage. <laughs> I also love it. It's, it's a great movie. But she said that when she first saw it, and she first saw it as a child, she liked Armand, the more masculine uh, of the couple, played by Robin Williams, uh, more. But as she grew up and as she accepted herself <laughs> as a Aww. pansexual, bisexual woman, she grew to love Albert more, who is more explicitly mm -hmm. gay, louder, queerer more obnoxious in the best possible way so mm -hmm. i guess that also comes like i guess that also speaks about accepting the queerness uh in its f full glory that takes some time that that's my thought yeah yeah i also i think i was always attracted to flamboyant beings i i remember as a as a kid that was that was always something that like caught my attention i was like whoa look at look at this look at look at <laughs> uh, i don't know it just like it fascinated me um but it took me a while to accept that part of myself mm -hmm. there, there definitely was especially given that i'm not just gay i'm also trans um mm -hmm. and specifically trans mask and so I think I kind of pushed away a lot of those um, flamboyant parts of me in favor of this trans maskness, which I understood as mutually exclusive. They're not. Mm -hmm. Newsflash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, yeah. Th there was there was definitely a period of time when I thought that oh it, it has to be one of the two and being being my gender matters more to me so I'm just not gonna have those uh frilly frilly parts uh to myself but thankfully I <laughs> I came around yes thank god <laughs> yeah but that that's um a bit of a we're going on a tangent yeah we're, we're not we're not answering we're not answering your question yeah it's a bit of a t tangent um in terms of because these days i don't know i obviously the best way to do it is just to ask the kids but we are we don't have any available right now <laughs> i i misplaced mine so <laughs> um yeah i i think maybe what people still have this is a completely baseless assumption so whatever. we love those here yes 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 go for I it i think what what people probably still have is something that they see as very young where they haven't yet you know started learning about the societal uh, structure of gender and sexuality that that mm -hmm. we have currently in the west they aren't necessarily fully aware of what gay is mm -hmm. or what trans is or any of those things but there are vibes <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and there are things that have a disproportional effect on you and you don't really understand why like you you're watching tv and there's this one person and you're like oh there's something about this person that i don't understand why i am mm -hmm. so drawn to them but i can't look away i think people would still have that regardless of whether um we have like more explicit gay content less less uh stuff like that um mm -hmm. i think where it probably changes is when they become more aware of like what queerness is and um what identity is and um there maybe it's different yeah yeah but anyway if you are a kid <laughs> or a young adult <laughs> Uh, first of all, thank you for listening. And secondly, write in and, and, and tell us what are the things that made you gay. And if, if you have those at all, maybe, maybe again, yeah. like as, as we're wondering here, maybe that's just not really the way that you think, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is also interesting. And we want to know that. That's true. But also segueing to the episode, a thing that definitely over the years, over the centuries, has been making oh. people gay are the stories of Iliad and Odyssey. And one of the stories is actually going to be featured in these in this episode. Okay, you can't just drop that there. Like you have to explain why it's been making people gay. Um, I think that just genuinely uh, speaking of the Roman Emperor, like Greek and Roman culture is very um, explicitly gay from like naked athletes to statues with hard bods to this culture of um, young boys being apprentices to um, people of substance and essentially being their young lovers. Like we're going to put the ethics of all of it aside for a moment. <laughs> But I think that, like, from my early childhood, I think that that was a explicitly queer theme in history that you could not smudge it out no matter how much you tried. Or maybe, like, in my childhood, thankfully, the teachers did not try as hard. So I remember having... 
like I remember being gifted a book about like being a pupil in ancient Rome or like schools in ancient Rome and ancient Rome was my thing and Julius Caesar was my thing so I was very happy to receive that book and there was this explicit paragraph about like young boys being lovers to older men and I remember I I had no idea about my own queerness I think it was even pre-Xena but I remember like something shifted in young Alice as you say like (laughs) there was some sort of queer awakening completely unnoticed at that point but to me that's that's a very strong theme and I think that it always was so that's what I mean cool (laughs) so let's let's actually dive into the episode yes yes so we open with a shot of a beautiful woman sleeping and having nightmares of men killing each other and the the nightmare is shot in the signature 90s style it's all like full of dutch angles and distorted proportions it's really cute yeah 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 it it was a nice shot and in her dreams one of the wounded men screams helen helen and we immediately get what piece of historical fiction we stumbled across even if we haven't seen the title and yeah well the title helps of course it it does so at first it seems that the beautiful woman is there alone, but no, right by her side, there's Ken, uh, Paris. Oh, <laughs> Ken is much better. Ken is better. Yes. Yeah. So Helen tells Paris, um, that her nightmares are very real. And he of course gaslights her and tells her that there's nothing to worry about. And this is going to be a theme. Yeah, I don't know in this particular instance whether I can quite call it gaslighting. It's more just like average straight guy cockiness where she's like, oh no, the war, it's it's so horrible. And the guy's like, chill out, babe. We're gonna we're gonna win it like tomorrow. Just just like I I'm so I'm so good. I'm gonna it's all gonna be chill. Like I'm I'm gonna win this war. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel that in the straight boy cockiness there is a lot of gaslighting it kind of yeah, yeah, goes no, it, together it's, it's definitely part of the part of the toolkit i just don't think here specifically that's what he's doing maybe maybe just because i remember how this character is going to be throughout this episode so mm-hmm. i kind of jump to hate him but i'm very right to hate him he's no, very no, you are you are <laughs> so yeah Uh, The only complaint that he has is that the nightmares rob you of your beauty. Yeah, and he adds, isn't that what I've been fighting for? And it's like, gee, thanks, Paris. Don't know what (laughs) I would have done had you not fought for my beauty. Whatever the fuck that means. Way to go giving me worth with that whole speech, yeah. And we see right away that this is going to be an episode from Helen's perspective of the whole Trojan War, which is pretty interesting. It's it's really cool. And I mean, the text itself, the Homer's text, I think it's like not only I, like a lot of people say that that's like the closest that you can get to a kind of psychological novel bits that was written in that time. But we always focus on other characters like Hector for example who's completely missing in the Xena's episode but it's very interesting that they try they decided to focus on Helen continuing with the feminist perspective yeah and uh, as an aside I I have mentioned I think in a previous episode um, but Mm -hmm. Helen is another example of Xena's uh, race blight casting she's portrayed by a person of color And we've seen quite a few POCs already, but most of them have been villains. (laughs) Yeah, very charismatic villains, but... Yeah, you know, it's it's still, it's not the best way to do race blind casting, if that's kind of the entirety of it all. Mm. But 
that that makes this choice for Helen even more significant. And of course, Helen is supposed to be this, the, the most beautiful woman in the entire world. So it seems like a bit of a statement on the part of the showrunners, which I like. Yeah, yeah, I also liked it a lot. Uh, the actress is stunning, who is playing mm. Helen, of course. And yeah, but I've seen a couple of other films uh, I think there were mostly films or maybe like a film and a show where we saw Helen of Troy. She was shown as a blonde woman with like light eyes and light skin. Shocker. I wonder why. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So go Zena once again. So then Helen goes to her trusted guard and asks him whether his heard of Xena. And of course, everyone in the ancient world has heard of Xena. So he says yes, and he agrees to get a message from Helen to the warrior princess. So he goes on his mission. And meanwhile, we see Gabrielle and Xena, and they're walking through the forest. And it turns out that Gabby rationed only half an apple for Xena to eat, or for both Ouch. of them to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, um, not the best planning on Gabby's part. And Gabby no. suggests that they might stop at Troy for supplies. But Xena notes that the Trojans have been at war for 10 years and they don't have anything to spare. And Gabby then reveals that the real reason she wants to go to Troy is to see Helen. Uh, is there a continuation of a sapphic awakening theme for Gabrielle, or am I reading too much into it? I mean, I I think that's that's a fair interpretation. Like, I certainly was like that in my teens. Like, I would spend hours and hours looking at all these <laughs> pictures of beautiful women. Just, just cause, just cause, like, no reason. Just feel like doing it. <laughs> I'm just gonna... <laughs> find every single photo of this this actress that I'm really into just because she looks good you know and it's nice to, to look at that good looking women that's that's just kind of what's happening here so I feel like maybe Gabrielle is in a similar situation it's like oh yeah she, you know a, a beautiful woman I just want to I just want to see just want to see what what it's all about just curious yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, she's definitely in that sort of phase. Um, mm -hmm. I agree. So then Zena and Gabby uh, see one man fighting a couple of ruffians, let's say. More, more like a um, handful. A handful, yeah. yeah. And the man is older also, so Zena intervenes, but it's too late. Yeah. However, as Zena is fighting the baddies, there's this glorious moment when she jumps on top of one of them so she's kind of sitting on his shoulders and then she squeezes and twists his head with her thighs all right oh yeah i think like <laughs> almost breaking his neck there's there, there's a crunch as she's doing that i i don't think he dies because there are no corpses that, that we see afterwards mm -hmm. but it it's <laughs> it's kind of hot <laughs> Those are some thighs. I know. It's like, hello. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to a podcast, side note, um, about... Um, thighs? Like a a, about a blogger who I've been following for a long time, but now she's trying to... She's trying herself out as a dominatrix. And uh, she says that, like, one of the requests that she had was to choke someone with um, her thighs. And she says after that, like, oh, I have to work. I have to do a lot of leg work because it's not easy. But of course, Zena can do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but not only can Zena do it, uh, this is one of the first times that we see Gabrielle as a fully-fledged participant in a fight. Um, she's not just hiding. She's not just kind of looking at what Zena is doing. She's got her staff. She's actively using it. That's already a kind of transformation that we've seen with Gabrielle's character. Yes, yes, definitely. After the Amazon episode, we see more and more of that. And that's 
cool. Mm-hmm. So the guy is mortally wounded, um, the one that Xena wanted to help. And even Xena's extraordinary doctor's skills cannot save him. And that's the first. So, yeah, that's saying something. Right? right? Like she, she can virtually save anyone. So this was completely a lost case. But mm-hmm. before the guy dies, he gives a message to Xena from Helen asking her to come to Troy. And we find out that Helen was Xena's ex. Um, I mean... Helen and Zena knew each other before the war. It's it's interesting that you uh, kind of came to that conclusion. Was there anything that that made you assume that, aside from the fact that you know it's Zena? Um, ma- mainly because it's Zena. Mm, I don't know. It's the whole line of Helen of Troy is basically a woman who is suffering because of men and patriarchy <laughs> so i would assume that that's a good trajectory for her but no i don't i don't think actually in all seriousness that there are there is a vibe between helen and xena i think xena is more protective of her than anything there's also something that helen says later in the episode that makes me think no they've, they've never dated mm, okay okay you'll point this out yeah so after opening titles gabby and xena approach the walls of troy and gabby asks if xena has a plan and xena says count on it but it turns out that the plan is to run towards the walls of troy really fast trying to uh outrun the greek army and mind you this is a city that has been under siege for 10 years so for 10 years, the Greek army was trying to kind of get into Troy, but Xena is just going to run away. Into... <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's a, there, maybe there was some sort of plan, but I don't get it. No, and Xena's plans aren't usually this stupid. I, I don't understand <laughs> why the, the writers went for, for this option here. Uh, maybe <laughs> they were just having an off day (laughs) maybe they were like oh and we'll we'll come up with a with a plan later and then they were like oh shit we need to film the episode and we didn't we didn't write a plan let's just let's just leave it (laughs) have them run that's the plan you just run (laughs) but but also at first we don't see the greek army anywhere it seems like there there is no one around so it it doesn't seem like such a bad plan after all but then as Cena and Gabriella are running it turns out that greek soldiers are just hiding under palm leaves on the <laughs> ground so it it looks like the ground is just like covered with these dried palm leaves and as they start running soldiers like pop up from those palm leaves like for how long have they been there what and have they, they been did... doing <laughs> i have so many they questions also... <laughs> they also pop up with those zombie sounds like i don't know it's very funny like the the screenwriters have a very interesting notion of the trojan war go with um, but anyway the plan works because gabrielle's ex-fiance aka the most boring heteronormative storyline in the whole series turns out to be a general or like at least some soldier high up in the troy army and yells to his warriors to open the gates yeah, yeah, he's more like middle management, I think. No, not definitely not it. So first of all, that's quite a claim that that's the most boring <laughs> heteronormative storyline. I stand I, by it. I stand I, by it. <laughs> I understand, but I um, I will be keeping that in mind as we move on. Okay. So. Um, you said Gabrielle's ex-fiance, and we actually we have seen him 
before mm-hmm. the, in the first mm-hmm. in the first ever episode of Xena when when Xena meets Gabrielle and Gabrielle is at her village she has a fiance and she promptly dumps him and and runs away with with Xena but don't worry if you don't recognize the guy from episode one because he's literally not even played by the same actor that's how disposable he is that is true and that says a lot but also i couldn't care less (laughs) about this character (sighs) Mm. anyway inside the gates uh the boyfriend takes off his helmet and gabby introduces him to xena as the guy who she was supposed to marry and the guy has his recognizable straight boy pout which roughly translates to you cocked blocked me so i am hurt and i went to the army to drown my sorrows in blood yeah the pout kind of reminds me of the john snow pout from game of thrones i feel like they, they went to the same school of pouting those two Maybe, yeah, but Jon Snow is more emo, and this guy's is more uh, starting men's right activist pout. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But anyway, Zena and Gabby are inside Troy now, yay. And outside Troy, we see someone report to King Menelaus, and like, refreshing the memory of people who... <laughs> Uh, do not love uh, Iliad as much as I do. Uh, it's the king who was married to Helen and Paris, aka Ken, Bad Ken, stole Helen from King Menelaus. So now they're at war for 10 years, supposedly because of Helen, but Xena has some other thoughts. So Outside Troy, there is a guy reporting to King Menelaus that Xena, the warrior princess, arrived at the city, and he hopes that doesn't ruin his plan. And I wonder what the plan is. Hmm. Yeah, we also see the king ask a mysterious hooded figure to take care of this little unforeseen problem. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. They don't want us to see the face of this person. Maybe that's yep. going to be relevant. <laughs> so inside Troy, Zena, Gabrielle, and the boring ex-fiance are chatting. And the latter mentions that Commander blah 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 would be very happy <laughs> if Zena were to fight for them. And Zena, the icon that she is, asks with the most unflappable face, Commander blah blah blah? Who's she? <laughs> yes! Love it! Love it! It's so good! It's great. It's amazing. And so the boring ex fiance has to awkwardly pause and be like, uh, he? Is Paris's brother? Yes! Oh my god, the number of times that every every uh, woman has had to live through that shit on the other side. Yes. I'm just yes. loving, <laughs> loving Xena doing this. Legendary. <laughs> Absolutely iconic. Um, so Xena asks to see Helen. And the boring ex-fiancé is like, oh, no, 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 this is super not allowed. Uh, <laughs> to which Zena says, I don't see how that's relevant. And she just goes to see Helen anyway, uh, telling the other two that they surely have lots to talk about. <laughs> and Gabrielle doesn't seem to be happy being left alone with the guy. She doesn't no. have a face full of enthusiasm. Um, is not what she's displaying. Um, and then Zena gets to Helen, and both of them seem very happy to see each other, even though Zena mentions that they've had their differences in the past. So mm. we, we never find out what those differences were, but it seems like yeah, they were they didn't fully get along. Mm-hmm. Maybe interesting. Um, 
Anyway, Helen asks Xena to take her back to Menelaus because she wants to stop the war and she thinks that that will do it. And Xena says that it won't help and Paris will just keep fighting to get her back. Yeah, so Xena just encourages Helen to stay in Troy, especially because at least Paris loves her. Um, mm -hmm. And Helen is like, yeah, about that. Uh, <laughs> um, she says that yeah Paris might have loved her once but now he was so obsessed with the war there's no space for anything else in his life and at this point they're barely more than strangers yep yeah and we see that every time Helen and Paris are shown together it's like ugh, it's rough while Zena and Helen are talking, Paris's brother enters, and no, this is not Hector, who is one of the best characters in Iliad. On the one hand, I'm pissed off that they wrote him off. On the other hand, I'm glad that they did not give him this shitty role. So it's a new character who's being an obnoxious asshole from the very first second we see him. So right away, we understand that he's going to be a villain in this story. I'm not spoiling anything. You can just read it on his face. <laughs> oh, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I have a lot of feels. Yeah, yeah, we can tell. <laughs> and this is not even an episode with Caesar. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> meanwhile, Gabby is chatting with her ex-fiancé, and she asks him what is he doing in Troy, and his passive-aggressive answer is, I wanted to be in a place where people are fighting for love. Ugh. Yeah, and Gabriel answers to that, but no, those, those are just stories, and those are stories that I told you. Like, those are not you real. Dumb fuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the undertone of what she's <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, dude, you're a farmer. You don't belong here. I wish I were, like, exaggerating, but that's literally what she said. <laughs> Um, and the guy's like, sorry, Gabrielle, you can't tell me what to do anymore. Oh, what a beautiful relationship. Brings tears to my eyes. This, <laughs> this episode is a real tribute to <clears throat> heterosexuality. Um, heterosexuality, just like it's shown <laughs> as such a beautiful thing. <clears throat> so, Zina is taken to Paris, where he... Not Paris, France, yeah. but <laughs> Paris, the character. You know, just thought I'd clear this up. <laughs> Zina is taken to Paris, like to Paris's chambers, okay. where Paris will decide whether she's trustworthy enough to fight for Troy. But that discussion is interrupted by uh, the dude who we saw at the beginning of the episode, because this dude is the one who killed Helena's messenger and got a cut on his face from Xena. Um, and the showrunners kind of made a point for us to see that. We recognize this dude, and Xena, of course, recognized this dude. Zena accuses him, he draws his sword, and they start fighting. Zena obviously wants to question him, but Paris's brother conveniently kills him because he's a traitor, quote-unquote, and he is killed off before Zena gets a chance to ask any questions. Yeah, we do learn that the guy was part of Paris's brother's personal guard, just interesting. Mm -hmm. And we can immediately see that Zena is suspicious because she knows it wasn't necessary to kill him. So she, she has clocked that uh, Paris's brother has um, killed him 
for some reason that was not defense. Um, yeah. And the reason we keep saying Paris's brother is that he has a complicated <laughs> name and we can't be fucking bothered. Bothered <laughs> to, to learn it. That's true. That's true. He's just Paris's brother. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Gabby and her ex-fiance, whose name is Perdicus, but just pronouncing it makes me laugh. So I'm just going to keep calling him ex-fiance. Our, so it sounds her, a bit funny in Russian. Yeah, it, it, it. I think it sounds funny in any language. I don't know. It's it's, it's a ridiculous name for a ridiculous character. Sorry if anyone of our <laughs> listeners is named Perticus, but I seriously doubt that. <laughs> Gabby and her ex-fiance argue over the fact that he became a soldier to get back at Gabby, and he says that's not the case. And in the middle of this conversation, uh, the city is attacked by archers. So they fight the attack off pretty quickly. And they use flaming arrows for that, kind of for no reason. Like, they just for, for fun. Like, oh, and let's light that shit up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. For, for theatrics, I guess. Basically, the fight is over pretty quickly and then Gabby's ex-boyfriend runs into Zena and he thanks her for taking care of Gabrielle um, as if Gabrielle is a cow or a horse that needed to be I don't know, taken care of while he's not around mm. and Zena just brushes this conversation off and uh, asks uh, this ex-boyfriend about Paris's evil brother like What's his deal? Do you know him? Like, what's his deal? Yeah. And uh, he answers that, well, no one has killed more enemies. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, what about friends? And the guy's like, huh? <laughs> but it's, even, even though he doesn't understand, that's some cute dialogue writing. <laughs> yeah. Zena and the audience at this point we get it yeah and um Zena and Gabrielle talk a bit and Zena says that she can sense that something's off in Troy there's you some think kind of danger <laughs> somewhere well that's not just coming from the outside yeah there's something wrong on the inside as well and she tells Gabrielle to hang out with the ex-fiance because he'll protect her while Zena is doing a secret side quest. Mm-hmm. So later we see Helen trying to escape the city incognito, Princess Jasmine style, because she literally just puts a hood over her head with the tiara still on her head. And she tries to go back to Menelaus just thinking that nobody would recognize her. But of course, Xena catches her and convinces her that her self-sacrifice is pointless and the war stopped being about her a long time ago. Mm. And Helen is clearly really lost and she's like, but what, what should I do? What should I do? So Xena asks her, what do you want to do? To which Helen answers that she doesn't know, because nobody has ever asked her that, which mm. is just so sad. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's the reason I think that they never dated, because that's a phrase that is uttered by someone who <laughs> has never dated a woman. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Maybe maybe that's Especially something. Zena. Yeah, definitely. That's something in Helen's future, perhaps. Not dating Xena, of course, but like dating some other woman, perhaps. But yeah. So as they're talking, Xena sees the evil brother exit the city through a secret door and follows him only to find out, surprise, surprise, that he's conspiring with the other side. Yeah, so he's he's the this mysterious hooded figure that we saw earlier because we see him right at the same place, uh, wearing a cloak, um, talking to King Manilius, and it's clearly him. Yeah, definitely. 
So Zena reports back to Paris and Helen, but the evil brother enters and has some sort of lame defense about going to the enemy camp alone to convince King Menelaus that he'll never win the war. And that's supposed to work somehow. Yeah, yeah. And and so not, not only that, he says that he, he did it. He like negotiated yeah. a peace and the Greeks just gave up. Which is like, what the fuck? <laughs> sure, dude. Cool story, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. And, and Zena's like, what the... What the fuck are you talking about? No, like that was not a council of peace that I saw you doing. You're a traitor. Like, fuck off. Yeah, but in spite of his story being completely ridiculous, some random guards announce that the Greeks are leaving their positions and they have left a peace gift at the gate. So we all know what kind of a peace gift it is, but Paris and... The other dudes are like, oh, yay, we won the war. Cool. And Helen is the only one who tries to kind of reason with them. But of course, they ignore her as always. And then Xena utters the famous phrase, beware of Greeks bearing gifts. But no one pays any attention to her words, just like in Homer's text, no one believed the Trojan priest that said this phrase. So... They're sure that they won the war and that it's really a gift. So they drag the wooden horsey into the city. Helen tries to convince Paris to listen to Xena, but Paris again brushes her off with, things are a little complicated, my dear. Why don't you find yourself something pretty to wear to the celebration? And so uh, it also means that Paris kind of doesn't need Zena anymore and he's like well fuck her arrest her <laughs> sure um, why not yeah. Well, yeah and obviously Zena is ready to fight immediately but the evil brother stands right behind Helen so <laughs> he shows Zena his sword uh, which is not a euphemism by the way um, and <laughs> um, to kind of indicate that he would hurt Helen if Zena resists that the arrest and so she allows herself to be taken away. The next morning uh, Paris's evil brother comes to the prison to gloat basically and Zena reveals that she is onto his plan and he's not fooling her. Yeah and and she she kind of tries to get him to to talk a little bit because she she understands the plan but she doesn't understand what his motivation is like it's it's literally his brother what's what's the deal mm -hmm. but yeah he he says nothing to that but he opens the gate between Zena's cell and the cell where greek prisoners are kept and convinces them to kill her he's like well this is the greek woman who betrayed your army blah 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 go and kill her they try to do it but in the end they sort of help her escape by being a counterweight to a seesaw that xena jumps on it's very hard to explain that scene but it's absolutely epic because basically xena literally jumps out of the prison through the skylight and as she goes away she's like Thanks, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Helen is taking this luxurious looking mm -hmm. milky bath with like rose petals and a hundred candles around her. It looks really, really good. And so then Paris comes in and he complains that she doesn't look happy. What's up, girl? Why aren't you happy, girl? You better be Why fucking aren't happy. You smiling. <laughs> and Helen explains to him that she doesn't really see anything to celebrate and she reminds him that he jailed Xena for literally no reason she's like look if you love me you should trust my judgment to which he responds that he didn't fight for 10 years to listen to her judgment Jesus fuck, like, I can't imagine how horrible and suffocating it must have been for Helen 
for most of those 10 years. Like, can you fucking imagine with this guy? Ugh. Yeah, he, he truly is shown fuel. like the the worst sort of dude to be around. But also like very believably mm. mm -hmm. bad, you know, like he's not he's not like a cartoon villain. Um no. He's 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 just a horrible man. Yeah, yeah. I think that those phrases work and actually they mm -hmm. make us so angry because they are very recognizable and very real. Yeah. But apart from this <laughs> horrible place that Helen finds herself, we are back to Gabrielle and her ex-fiancé, who, again, reminisce about old times while everyone else is passed out drunk. Because um, there's a night of celebration. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, there's the next day. It's, it's the night of celebration. We see all of the soldiers from the Trojan army basically lying around with cups of something. Beer. Some sort of drink that got them drunk. I think ale, they, they usually ale, drink. Ale, ale. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's true, yeah. And then, surprise, the Greek warriors storm out of the horse. And we know that Odysseus is the one who actually thought of this plan and we're going to meet Odysseus, spoiler alert, but later on, I think in season two. For now, we do not see him and we just see the Greek warriors basically taking the city of Troy as they are in Homer's text. So we, we see the evil brother tell his guys, go get Helen, and they're like, but what about your brother? And he's like, I'll deal with my brother myself. Yeah. And then the f very big fight happens in the city, obviously. Yeah. And again, we see Gabrielle fighting and she does a decent job. Um, but then someone cuts her staff in two. And for a moment, she looks quite lost and afraid, which I think is is a nice touch. Like, yes, she is making progress. She she is more comfortable being like a participant in those fights and, and not just an observer but mm -hmm. uh you know she she doesn't have much experience and when she when something unexpected like that happens she she is still kind of stumped mm -hmm. thankfully xena is right by her side and so she protects her and uh, gabrielle keeps fighting with her half staff so it it rattles her but it doesn't uh, like shake her so much that she can't keep fighting Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a nice touch. And Zina asks Gabrielle to gather as many people as uh, she can in the Temple of Aphrodite. And Zina also finds Helen just as the evil brother's men are grabbing her. And she fights them off and brings Helen to the temple. And Paris is also there and makes some sort of lame apology to Zena and she tells him that she's not the one he needs to apologize to. Meanwhile, we see that Menelaus finds out that Helen is hiding in the temple with the others, and so he just orders his men to break into the temple and get Helen and burn the city to the ground. Um, inside the temple, Helen again asks Zena to be let out so that the fighting stops, so she would go to Menelaus and she would like sacrifice herself to 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 stop the fighting and Zena again tells Helen that there's another way and she asks to be shown the supply room so i yeah i i like this is a bit repetitive but i think in a way that that does make sense that Helen is like she feels like it's her fault and it's her job to mm -hmm. to fix it by like ruining her life even more than it is already ruined yeah yeah and i think that she even says the phrase that she says that i cannot feel guilty for those deaths and this war anymore and then xena says then don't don't feel guilty mm -hmm. because it's not about you anymore yeah yeah and also <laughs> add that point gabrielle and her ex they think that they might die soon so they apologize to each other and then they kiss you 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 anyway paris and 
Paris and Helen talk, and he goes, I just wanted to love you. And she says, no, you just wanted to own me. So I was very proud of that character at that moment. Yeah, yeah, and she even tells him, if we survive, I will leave you. I'm just going to go live my own life. You go, girl. Yeah. And then the evil brother enters, surprise, and he apparently was also into Helen all along. And because of that, he kills his brother. The evil brother drags Helen away as the Greeks try to break the gates to the temple. So Yeah, poor, poor Helen just can't fucking catch a break. Like, the moment she tells Paris, fuck you, I'm gonna go live my own life, the fucking evil brother is like, nope! <laughs> oh. Yeah. Poor lady. <laughs> yeah, there's there's another dude waiting to basically treat her as a MacGuffin. As an object, yeah. Yeah. So Xena creates some sort of uh, smoke show in the temple of Aphrodite by burning, I don't know, the Trojan weed supply? Something that makes a lot of smoke. <laughs> I yeah. really don't know what what was happening there. It's just like so th so that the Greeks can't can't see anything as they as they break into the temple just like a, a smoke yeah. screen and Zena leaves the city um and she does it inside the wooden horse which is a nice reversal and um when she goes out of the wooden horse it seems like she defeats the entire greek army with one throw of a chakram yeah yeah like all almost there is a tiny fight but it it's really easy for them to win yeah, well, I guess maybe like the war has been going on for 10 years. There are like about seven of them left. Meanwhile, the evil brother drags poor Helen away from the city. And his plan is to produce an entire new Trojan nation with Helen, who despises him. So again, cool plan, bro. But also, how, how is that going to work? Work out great. <laughs> like, okay, uh. look. She's not, she's not super young anymore either. So like, mm -hmm. they can have well, may, like maybe three kids, and then what? Like, you're gonna, you're... yeah. <laughs> What's her next step? Well, <laughs> I mean, in the defense of this plot twist, it seems that like they do a good job of showing that he's just obsessed. Like he's yeah. not yeah. making sense. No. Um. Yeah. No, no, no. It's oh. it's not it's not a criticism on, on my part. It's just mm -hmm. like, wow, dude, like you really thought it out, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he doesn't make sense. But like, none of the dudes in this episode are. Zeno, of course, stops him and knocks him out before he can take two steps out of the city. She's just waiting for him right outside the the gates. Mm -hmm. um, so she knocks him out, and, <laughs> and then she puts mm -hmm. uh, she puts Helen's little tiara on this evil brother and mm -hmm. she leaves him there so that he's the first thing that Menelaus sees when he leaves the city empty-handed. Empty she doesn't kill him, though. Like, what if he wakes up and just leaves? That's weird. It seemed to me when I was watching that he was pretty dead, but... She, she just, like, knocks him off of his feet. Like, it's not even... She doesn't even, like, hit his head. <laughs> she just <laughs> She just, like, makes him trip. He falls mm. and he's knocked out, but like at no point does it seem like he's she, like she doesn't do anything that would kill him. Yeah, but maybe she kind of assumes that Menelaus will when he uh, leaves the city. It's weird, yeah. But uh, in general, the show does not like to show a lot of the explicit killings. That's true, um, and I think that. In some episodes, they do, but that's kind of, like, important. That's kind of, like, mm. the plot point that explicit killings are happening. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Gabrielle and her ex-boy are talking, and he has the audacity to suggest that they now can go their separate ways, even though things got pretty crazy. And Gabrielle, according to him, 
said some things that suggest that they should get back together, even though she literally said nothing of the sort. Yeah. And at the end of this conversation, to make things worse, he grabs her and kisses her. And I don't know what was suggested by the screenwriters and the directors, but Gabby's vacant expression says it all for me. Yeah, I think she looks more confused than anything to me. That that entire conversation, she's like, "What? What's happening? Like, why? Why are you telling me these things? Why are you doing these things? I don't. I'm I'm not quite following. You know, <laughs> like that's that's what I'm reading in her face. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There, there's definitely no emotions in terms of like I like this dude. So. No, but yeah. there were no emotions like that in the first episode when he was literally her fiance. She was like, right? Oh, yeah. So this is, um, yeah, this is the guy. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. But sadly, it's not the last we're going to see of him. That's all I'm going to say for now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> dare I say <laughs> that this story does have a happy ending? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reveal what I mean by that, but you know. It does. It does. <clears throat> so Helen thanks Xena for showing her the way of the single gals, basically. Yeah, yeah. Helen's just like making some plans uh for her new life. And uh, she decides that she'll travel to the to a to a city nearby with the ex-fiance, which honestly sounds like a bad time. <laughs> oh yeah, like I, I suppose that's an improvement because she lived with like a literally abusive um, partner. But like, girl, you can do so Not much by better. Much. Not no. by much. He's he's a terrible hang. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I really hope she'll kind of be on her own for a while. <laughs> But Zena and Gabrielle contemplate going back for the wooden horse. <laughs> and Gabrielle says that it's bound to be a collector's item. And Zena answers only if you're going to pull it. And <laughs> that, that is that. And then we go to the titles. And the closing credits, because we um, sometimes forget to read those. The closing yep. credits are no oversized Polynesian style bamboo horses were harmed during the production of this motion picture. However, many wicker lawn chairs gave their lives. Oh, so cute. <laughs> I really like that. So, how many chakrams are we giving this episode? I would say I'm a little biased towards those sort of stories. But I think that that was a solid one. I would give it a nine. Yeah, yeah, I have to have to agree. It was it was really good. Like I I even like I want to take a point off for for the annoying ex fiance <laughs> and I can't because like he's kind of part of this uh, whole slew of horrible. <laughs> heterosexual guys and yeah like, he fits right in <laughs> to that um to that scheme kind of like mm -hmm. i don't know if, if uh, any of our listeners have seen the second season of the white lotus um there mm -hmm. there is a character in, in the white lotus who's like kind of positioned at first as a good guy mm -hmm. but then you see no though he he like fits right in into that he fits right into that system you know a parade of assholes i think what you're looking for <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like it's not saying that they're equally bad it's mm -hmm. just saying like these are the options <laughs> have fun <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah and again like what we were saying the men what they say and how they behave like it's a little it's a little exaggerated not by much of course of course, of course. Um, but yeah, it's very recognizable, mm -hmm. awful behavior that we see from men. So yeah, it's a solid one. Indeed. So that concludes our discussion of episode 12, 
and we'll see you soon to talk about episode 13, which would be Athens City Academy of the Performing Bards. A bit of a mouthful. Yes, I love this one. I'm so excited. <laughs> I don't remember anything about it, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening as always. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.